that. We are starting. <laughs> it's going to be a fun night. We are starting a brand new uh, series, five-week series, but it's leading into a, and uh, it's leading into a, a, a series uh, in October, middle of October. So this, the series that we're starting tonight is change. And uh, how do I change my world? And how do, how do we uh, let change happen? And how can we change our world wherever we are? So we are in a series called Change. And uh, we're going to uh, just share about that for the next five weeks. But, but this is it. It's leading up towards our uh, first annual movie series. So if this is an announcement within the sermon. Our movie series is literally for people, for unchurched people. So this is what's going to happen. We're going to have this series on change. How do I change my world? Leading up to the movie series. And within, within three, week, three weeks' time, you're going to get invitation cards. Movie invitation cards. Because we're going to preach from the movies and using uh, clips out of movies to, bl- to bring Let's start over to bring biblical truths, and uh, we're going to reach our world uh, with the gospel of Christ, and um, that gives you an opportunity to invite an unchurched friend to church. So, but here's the cool part. There's free popcorn for that three weeks, free popcorn, free sodas, it's free, uh, free candy floss, uh, what do you call it, fairy floss, that's it, and there's also free slushies for that free three weeks. There we go. It's free for the three weeks. Thank you. Any case, so change. Change your world, and then we're in the, the movie series, and after that, after we've saved the world, we're going to teach them about the Holy Spirit, because in, after that, we're going into a four-week uh, series about the Holy Spirit and who He is and, and just everything about Him. So it's going to be a great semester of church, everybody, and a great time at our evening services. In any case, let's uh, get into the Word. Matthew 5, Matthew 5, verse 4, uh, 14 to 16. Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. One of Jesus' most famous sermons, and uh, He's actually giving us the instructions, how can we change our world? And then just in this verse, we get the instructions on how we can change our world. And Matthew 5, 14 to 16 says the following, you are the world's light, a city on a hill, glowing in the night for all to see. Jesus says the following, he says, don't hide your light, let it shine for all. And here comes the instructions, let your good deeds glow for all to see, so that they will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus gives the instructions. Do you want to change the world? Show them your good deeds. Don't shout at them how wrong they are. Show them your good deeds. Show them your good deeds. And we can influence our world, church. We can change our world because you can influence the people around you. You may say, Zalvin, but isn't that for the influencers, the people with a good and a a, a huge following and, and, and lots of numbers behind them. No, it isn't. If we are to change the world, we're going to start with our own world. 
We change our world. We don't have to change the world, church. We are changing our world. And once we've changed our world, the world will become a better place. But we need to change our world. But for, for us to do it, we need to discover our world. Because here's the thing. You do have a circle of influence. Everybody here has a circle of influence. And you can change your world. The question is, what is my circle of influence? I want to help you tonight to just discover your circle of influence. Because everybody has a circle of influence. And I want to share this story out of Acts 16. From verse 16. And, and it's not on the screens, but the, the end of the verse will be on the screen. I, I'd love to share it with you. Verse 16 says the following. As we were going to the place of prayer... Where we, met by, uh, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So here's a girl and she had a demon in her that helped her to, to fortune tell, to, to tell people's future. But she was a slave and she had owners and she made them a lot of money. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to uh, you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing uh, for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her in that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hopes of, of gain was gone, they ceased Paul and Silas, and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them uh, to the magistrate, they said, These men are Jews, and they are dis uh, disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept our, uh, or practice. The crowd joined attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off and gave them orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in, uh, uh, in the stocks. Uh, just, just to um, clarify here, I mean, yes, Paul and Silas, they are preaching the good news. They are changing their world, busy changing their world. And here comes a slave girl who was demon-possessed, and she knew what they were up to. And she's calling them out, saying, these guys are, are wanting to show us um, what the way is to salvation. Paul got annoyed, obviously, with her, and he's calling out the demon, uh, and her owners was not very happy with Paul and Silas. Why? Because now they're going to lose money. They're going to not make any money anymore. So they are angry. And they got a beating for it. They got thrown into prison. But what I love about the story is this next verse. In verse 25, and about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. What stands out for me about this very verse is the way they responded to the treating of the world. 
I mean, they got a hiding. They got literally beaten by, by rods. And they, the way they responded was with prayer and with hymns. I'm not sure how I would have responded, church. Hello? I would probably have been very disgusted, very angry, and, and start to show fingers at everybody and, how dare you? But their response is so critical for us as believers because their response as Christians got them the, atten the attention of the other prisoners. They started to listen. And this is what I want to tell you tonight. The world is watching how we're going to respond as Christians to the persecution, to the world's judgment. How are we going to respond to them wanting to beat us down? How are we going to respond? And Paul and Silas, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Why? Because he was scared. He knew he didn't do, uh, did his job properly. Look at Paul's response. But Paul cried out with a, with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. I mean, the, the doors are open. They could run for it. And that's where you go, run, Forrest, run. But they didn't. They just stayed there. And he was so amazed by their response. The following happened. And the, and the jailer called for the lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31 and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. It's an incredible statement what Paul is saying to this God here. He's saying, believe and you will be saved, you and your household. Now I need to clarify this because that word household there doesn't mean the people that's living with him. It doesn't mean his direct family. So you can't actually stand in the gap saying, Lord, because I am saved and because I have accepted the gift of salvation, now my family is saved. That is not what Paul meant here because the word household, if you want to go and study it a bit more for the people that's taking notes, is the Greek word is oikos. Oikos, what literally means those under your roof, who's, in, who's under your roof of influence, meaning the people you influence. Once you get saved, then you're going to influence them literally so that they can be saved. And this is what I want to tell you tonight, church. You have a circle of influence. Study shows that we have at, at least 12 people, 12 people of influence around us. You have an oikos. You just need to discover your oikos, your 
people of influence, your, whoever is under your roof of influence. And I want to help you discover your oikos tonight because you have an oikos, meaning you have influence. It's not just the people on stage preaching, church. Believe me, I can't preach good enough to get Brisbane saved. I can't. I mean, I can't even get my tenses right. It's bad grammar, maybe good theology, but it's terrible. But you have an influence, and you can change your world. And we as a church are not expecting you to change the world, but we want to change our worlds. And once we change our worlds, that's when we influence society. I, I truly believe the church that is mobilized will change the world. You have a wake us. So let me help you discover your places of influence. First of all, the places you have influence on and at is your people. Number one, your people, my people. Who are they? those people? It's, it's, it's our direct family, the people we work with, our co-workers, our, our mates. That, that's our influence, my people. That's our oikos. That, that's the people we have influence in. And, and study shows that, that there's at least 12 people that we can influence in our circle. And it also says that what, if, 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 if you spend time with, with a person over a period of a week's time, over seven days, if that accumulated to one hour, you are, they are under your influence. You are influencing them. So whenever you spend time with people over seven days and it accumulated to more than one hour, you are, they are, you are influencing them and they are under your influence. The sad reality, just as a side note, is that dads spend at least seven minutes a day with their children. Seven minutes. That accumulates to 49 minutes. Some dads, their children is not un, on, under their influence. And that's a sermon for another day. But we need to become better dads, church. Spending more time with our kids. There's people around us, and we have a circle of at least 12 people that we can influence. And Mark 5, 19 says the following, Go home to your family and friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has, um, how he has had mercy on you. Meaning, witness to them. Witness to your people. How do I change your, my world? And, and who is my world? Who is my influence? On, on which people do I have influence? Your people. The direct people that you spend time with. Not even, not, not, not is it only your, your people, it's also the place where you are. The place where you live. You have influence because you are placed there for a reason. Some of you are staying in Brookfield. There's a reason for that. God has orchestrated that church. Some of you are staying in Anstead, and some of you are staying in, in Mogul and Balbauri and Kenmore and, and Indrapillion. I mean, there's people here staying in Wynnum. Do you know how far that is? 15 minutes away. You are there for a reason. Why? Because God wants to use you to change your world. And you are there for a reason because everything happens on purpose. We see in Acts 
17:26 literally it's, it's not on the screen but it says and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place the lord has placed you there this is our place now. The Lord has placed our family here for a purpose, church. The Lord has placed you in this circle for a purpose. This is your place of influence. The place where you live and walk, that is your place of influence where you can change your world. The place you live, the school you go to, the, 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 work, you work, where, the work where you work at, that is your place of of influence, and you need to take advantage of it. Psalm 90 verse 17 says the following, May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Meaning, your vocation, church, is your ministry location. There where you are, there where you work, that place is your ministry location for you to impact and influence, to change your world. Not only is that a place of influence for you, but also your passions. It's your people that you need to influence. That's your area of influence. It's your workplace, but also your passions. And, and you may ask the questions, but Zalvin, how do I know what is my passion and my calling? It's normally the thing that you are drawn to that comes easy for you. You will see people serving you tonight and they've set up this place and they, they, that's, that's an area of passion for them. There's people coming in and they see literally that the roads are not neat. They have a giftness. It's, it's, it's part of their gifting. They just they they have a, a, they have a gift of service. I, I just want to put it right. And then there's people that that comes in. That's part of our tribe where they see. Oh, there's someone new sitting alone. They have just that mercy gift. They will sit next to them and just welcome them in. It just comes easily, and we can use our passion as a place of influence because all of us has an area or a passion an area where we are passionate about. There's a reason for that, because God has wired us so differently so that we can make in every area that we are a difference. Psalm 34 says the following, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you that passions. And sometimes when we spend time with God, our passions change. Because sometimes our desires is a bigger house, it's a bigger car, it's, it's bigger everything. But once you spend time with God, he, he gives you the want, what you want. He gives you the passion for people. And, and people are just wired differently. There's some of you that wants to go on mission and stay in huts. It's not me. But it is you. I started to like camping I mean, once I got kids. But for me, we are wired differently. Mika wanted to go camping her whole life. And I said, I, I work too hard to go and make if I'm homeless. <laughs> but the passions changed as we got kids. It's 
became, it, it became easier. We like it. That's why when we go on mission trips, it, it became easier. There's a passion. And there's a passion in every, every one of you. And that's your area of influence. Is what are you passionate about? We all have an area of influence. We all have a people. We all have a place. And we all have a passion. And we need to identify it so that we can change our world. But the question is, how? How do we change our world? And I want to give you a couple of things and then I'm done because the dinner is ready. Number one. Number one. Zalman, how do I change my world? Our manner. Our manners. Ma manners matter, church. As Christians, our manners matter. I'm so thankful for my, for my granddad and my grandmom and my dad. They were pretty strict. But do you know the car rides whenever you go to people? You're sitting back of the car and then as you, as you approach those pe the house of the guest that you're going to, mom or dad will turn around and say, remember, you say thank you. You eat all your food, all your food even if you don't like it. I mean, and, and, and you know, and, and, and the food is really terrible, but your manners, it matter. But I'm thankful for it because it, it, it just helps. And as Christians, church, our, if you want to change your world, be mindful of your manners. Our, our manner, the way we, we treat people, it matters. The way how, how we live, it matters to the world outside there. Our, our, our manners, it, it, people can either reject it or they can accept it. They can uh, get attracted to it. And may we become a people where they be rather attracted to our manners than reject our manners as Christians. Do you want to influence your world? How's your manners? How's your manners as a Christian? How are you treating people? Because the world is counting on you. Your influence is counting on you. Maybe you're sitting here and say, Zalman, but, but I've been in church for the last 15 years. I, I haven't really grown much. How can I grow in my manners as a Christian? Do you want to know? Start a small group. Here's what's going to happen. If you're married, start a small group. I can promise you, all hell is going to break loose an hour before that meeting starts. You're going to get into the biggest fight with your wife and you're not sure what happens. Your manners is going to change very quickly because you're going to get stretched and you're going to grow as a Christian. Why? Because suddenly you have to sort out this fight within an hour before the people comes. If there weren't any small group, it will, it will take maybe days or weeks to sort out the fight between you and your wife. But now suddenly you have to grow as a Christian and say, honey, we can't act this way. We need to man up and woman up and we need to talk to each other and we need to get our manners straight because the people is counting on us. Our manners matter, church. That's why Colossians 4 and 5 see, says the following, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you make know how to answer 
everyone so that you may know how to answer everyone. Your manner matters. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 11 and 12 says the following, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. Meaning the way you live, your manners matters. And, and, and there's there's business owners in here and there's people here that, that has influence in, in the world outside there. How, how do they see you? Are you creating a faithful presence once you operate with them? Are you creating a faithful presence? How do we change our world? Number one, our manner. Secondly, we recognize, we recognize our moment. You need to recognize your moment. Because God orchestrates moments. It's, it's, it's not just going to happen. I'm not sure what the English word now is, but, but there's a reason why you're going to meet that waiter once you get outside, maybe taking out your wife for dinner. There's a reason you're going to meet a waiter. There's a reason why people's paths are crossed. There's, there's a reason for it. And there's a moment for it. And, and Psalms 37 says the following in, in verse 23. The steps of a good man. I want to say the, the steps of world changers. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Meaning he, he creates it. He orchestrates it. So that you can have a moment to influence someone's life. And you need to recognize your moment. Proverbs 16.9 says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. He knows what you need, and he knows who needs to meet you. And you need to recognize, Lord, is this from you? Lord, whenever I step out, may I recognize my moment when I can change and witness to, to someone Lord, I know that the people that I'm going to meet today, they are directed by you so that they may meet, may meet me today so that I may impact them faithfully, so that I can show your presence and your kindness to them. Church, whenever we step outside for the day, may the devil get nervous. May he get nervous because he knows the Lord is directing our steps into that unsaved person and we're going to impact their life. We're going to influence them, and we're going to help them discover who God is. And thirdly, is our message. We change our world through our message. Amy, you can come up so long and just play. If you're new, it just helps me sound a bit more holy. So, it's a joke. How do I change my world? through our message, through your message. And it's not the following message. It's not, hey world, turn or burn. <laughs> As churches out there, we became very good into what we stand against. The, the, the world doesn't know what we are against. They, they need to start knowing what we are for. As a church, we are for our Christ, our Lord, our Jesus Savior. 
I mean, we, we can go very easily into, you, you all need to get saved, otherwise you're going to go to hell. I mean, and if you, if you ever preach in America that hell is two syllables, it's hell. We can, we can so easily point our fingers as Christians. You need to turn. You need to get saved. That shouldn't be our message, church. Our message should be what we stand for. Our message should be who Jesus is. And we can become so easily to a point where we just want to show fingers at people. That's not who we ought to be. We ought to be a people that love other people. That shouts the message, God loves you, just as you are. Just as you are. But He loves you too much to leave you where you are. That should become our message, church. Who Jesus is. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always. And I want to encourage you. Have a three-minute message in your heart. Why are you believing what you're believing? Why do you have hope inside of you? Just be ready with a three-minute message. Whenever the world asks you, just be ready. Three minutes. Don't bore them to death. Three minutes. Listen, this is my message. I was a Christian my whole life, but I thought perfect church attendance is going to get me points. Until I discovered that there's a relationship with the Father. And He saved me because this guy was going to hell. But Jesus showed His mercy to me and He saved me. And that's why I have hope in my heart. Because He has forgiven all my sins. That's it. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says the following. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this from God, who reconciled us with Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And I don't know about you, but my message to the outside world is, you don't have to pay for your sins anymore. Jesus already paid for it. Past, present, and future sin. You can have hope. Church, we need to change our world. We don't have to change the world. But the church who is mobilized, who changes their world, they will have the biggest impact to change the world. And I want to encourage you tonight. Change your world. Change it through your manner. Recognize the moment. And share the message. The message is, I'm forgiven. I don't have to pay for it. Jesus paid it all. Let's close our eyes. Well, thank you for who you are. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you, Lord, that 
you have lifted that burden off our shoulders. We don't have to pay you anything. Lord, thank you for the grace that we have received. And Lord, thank you that you have given us the ability to change our world. And may we change our world, Lord, and impact our society so that they may know you and who you are.